Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 34 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by Tabkeys.com, the best Delta 8 edible on the market. I'm Wally Lukashensky. Hayden has basketball practice tonight. That's right, it's almost basketball season. So it's just Casey Mock and I back in action together. For those of you that don't know at home, Casey's got himself a playoff game this Friday. So Casey, man, how's the team looking going into the big game? Doing all right. I would say that today was uh, very intense. Um, we had some tempers flare. Nothing really got too far out of control, but uh, you know, just kind of feel that energy going. I wouldn't necessarily call it desperation, but these kids have never played in a playoff game before. I've never coached in a playoff game before, so I think it's just I, I think it's been good for us. Numbers haven't been great, but hopefully they'll increase tomorrow. I guess Thursday. And and yeah, we can get a good a good uh, practice in before before the big game on Friday. Now, is this one of those things where like you see college or NFL coaches almost get a little excited to see those fights in training camp and stuff? When you see that energy right now going into a playoff game, is it just like you said that you kind of are getting ready for that volcano eruption of energy for Friday, so it's not really a big deal? Or how do you look at it? <laughs> yeah, I uh, certainly hope so. But man, well, yeah. Once uh, once we had the intensity turn up in practice, we just did the circle drill real quick, about five minutes, let them hash it out, and then got right back to practice. So hopefully, it's just a sign of high energy to come on Friday. Oh yeah, man. I know I'll be there for sure. Hopefully, Hayden's able to get out there. We're gonna have a little bit of a rally party, just a Casey Mock corner. So we're wishing you luck. But beyond that, too, it's going to be a terrific Saturday of college football action. Noon, we have a jam-packed Big Ten football slate. Then at 3.30, you get a little bit of a break, unless you're watching. I think it's the Minnesota games at 3.30. But there's Georgia and Florida in the world's biggest or world's largest cocktail party, that game. So that should be a lot of fun. And then naturally, the Ohio State-Penn State nightcap. What a great weekend for sports. You got your playoff game. A terrific Saturday slate, and like Hayden loves to say, the NFL never disappoints. It's a great weekend for football, Casey. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And then we got Browns and Steelers this week. I'm pretty excited about that. It's a big, that's a big game. I know we're not an NFL podcast, but we like to talk about our teams here. You know, if the Steelers can get it and try to ride some momentum, they might they might squeak in the playoffs maybe. I know it's early still, but. They got to win, you know, one one division game this year. You got to think. Maybe it's this week with a backup quarterback. I'm not even sure if Kareem Hunt's playing this week either. But all the things the Steelers need to happen for them to have a chance this game happen. So we'll see if they can go out and execute. Tomlin shut down the USC rumors real quick. I thought that was really interesting. But, yeah, man, yeah, you're absolutely right. Great weekend of football all around. Without going on too much of a tangent, I'm happy you brought up James, or no, I, I'm happy you brought up Mike Tomlin saying no to the USC rumors because you got to see in the same state of PA two very different ways of handling the USC rumors, and I think two very different responses where Mike Tomlin immediately comes out and says, "Hey, basically, I've got the job of my dreams. There's not a check large enough that you can sign to get me out of Pittsburgh." where James Franklin kind of dilly-dallied around the question for a few weeks, and it finally took coming out this week saying, hey, no, I'm staying here, guys. 
and it kind of lacked a, a little bit of sincerity that you picked up with Tomlin. And it's, it's just coincidental that it's lined up with Penn State really struggling with James Franklin kind of dilly-dallying around the question of USC. Oh, absolutely. And I'll get into that more when we talk about the Ohio State-Penn State game for sure because, you know, if he's sincere and he, and he truly means it, I think Penn State will come out fighting for him. And I think it might be a closer game. Whereas if, if he is kind of putting his name in there, having those talks behind the scenes, I think it could get ugly. And I won't really give you which way I'm leaning until we get, go to our game picks. Well, and that's why you're smart, Casey. So we will hold off on telling you guys too much, and we'll get into our topics before we get to the game picks, which means our typical first topic, and we didn't have it last week because we were missing you, but Casey's recruiting corner here. Has there been anything fun or, I guess, big news this last week at all? I know basketball is only a couple weeks away now, too. What do you have for that recruiting update for us? Yeah, first off, glad to be back. Missed, missed the last two episodes, man. It didn't feel right at all. But nothing too big happening in terms of commitments in the Big Ten over the past probably a little over a week. Maryland got a uh, three-star defensive lineman a week ago. And then Minnesota got an offensive tackle who only weighs 240 pounds, apparently. Three-star guy uh, out of the state of Texas. But there were there were a decent amount of decommitments I did see. Michigan lost a wide receiver out of their home state. He was a four-star, now a, now a high three-star kid. Same with Pencil, Penn State. I don't know why I was about to say Pennsylvania State. Penn State lost a, a pretty high three-star kid from the state of Louisiana. So that, that's an interesting one there. Hayden Swartz decommitted from Nebraska. He's a pretty high three-star kid, defensive lineman. So, yeah, other than that, not really anything going on in the recruiting world football-wise. Let me let me check here basketball-wise. I don't think there was anything. Yeah, so all good on the recruiting trail. Nothing big happening. A lot of kids waiting for these big games to happen before they make a decision, I would assume. There's a 247 article that says that there's a bunch of big-time recruits going to the Michigan-Michigan Michigan State game this weekend. Let me just ask a question real quick. Yeah, I'm glad that you started talking about recruits going to that Michigan-Michigan State game because with how loaded of a slate this is, not just in the Big Ten, I would have to imagine that this is a massive weekend for recruiting visits with Ohio State, Penn State, like I said, Florida, Georgia. I think Ole Miss in Oh, man, you might have to help me. I think Ole Miss has a top 15 matchup with someone, too, and I'm spacing. Is that the case, a lot of recruiting visits this weekend? Um, Yeah, so uh, Big Ten-wise, Ohio State has three top 100 guys coming to their game this weekend, uh, hosting Penn State. And I, I wasn't able to click on that article about the Michigan State guys, and they don't have any listed on the uh, 247 visit list or whatever. So that'll be interesting. I'm sure it'll get leaked out, and I'm sure a lot of guys will tweet about it and stuff, so we'll find out more as the day comes closer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, guys want to get that stadium atmosphere, and that's that's the big thing. And so whenever you have a big-time game, you're going to try to get as many guys on campus as you can. Although, interestingly enough, Ohio State kind of does the opposite. They like to get all their recruits – not all, but a lot of their recruits in the summertime – and, you know, you might think, why? Why would you not want to get into Penn State, whatever? Well, I, I and I got this information from 97.1 The Fan when I, I forget what topic they were talking about, but whatever. 
So when you're a coach and and you're hosting Penn State this week, you know, 95% of your life is focusing on that game. When you have big recruits, you're not able to have a a visit like you would like them to during a big-time game week, whereas in the summer you have a lot more free time. You can host a little bit better than what you would when when you have a top-20 team coming to your home stadium. That's actually a really good point, just – in anything, where like when I went to watch your game about a month ago, you focus on your game. So Friday night, we had that really short exchange because of your focus level on that. I, I'm sure that's actually a very different way of looking at it for the Ohio State philosophy. Hey, we're going to treat you like you are one of us when you come, and that's why we don't want to do it and kind of half-ass your visit. So that is a really good way to look at it. I appreciate that. I guess a little bit of insight, Casey. Yeah, yeah, no, and it and it just kind of makes sense too, you know. I, I guess a lot of people get so focused on getting the recruits to the big game, while yes, it's nice to see the stadium atmosphere and all that stuff. You're not connecting with your coaches as well as what you would like, and then two, there's only five or six home games a year. You kind of want to get that feel as a recruit outside of the you know five times a year that you get to play in the stadium you know what I'm saying absolutely and I think if I'm if I'm a player getting recruited I almost think I would appreciate it more saying hey we're going to give you 100% of the time once you're here so that's why we're not going to bring you in because we don't want to distract and take away from the players on this team at this moment so terrific point I'm actually excited I'll have to bring it up to Hayden to hear his thoughts on that But before we go into our game previews, there's one other thing I wanted to bring up to you because you didn't have a chance this past week. We're only two weeks away from college basketball now. We're going to have our preview show here in a couple weeks. We'll we'll figure that out off air between the three of us. But is there a thing? I know you're a Michigan basketball fan still. What are you most excited about this year? Because it really does have a feel that this Michigan team, this Illinois team, could be legitimate players for a national championship. Yeah, you know, to start with those two in the Big Ten, I think is, I think you mentioned it when you were with Hayden last week. I think it's, can can the Big Ten finally get over that 20-year drought, 21-year drought now? I think they had the top two to do it, but I also think this conference is going to be very, very deep again, just like it was last year, where you had Ohio State that was ranked, I think, fourth in the country, but had six or seven losses, and then, by you know, I, obviously they kind of fell off toward the end of the year with two straight losses. But the the biggest thing, I guess, is can the Big Ten get over the hump? And then I'm excited for all these new freshmen coming in in the Big Ten. A lot of teams have high-profile freshmen coming in, and I want to see who makes the biggest impact. If you're a basketball fan, make sure that you guys check back in because we will be announcing that preview show here in the next few weeks. And talk about a great time for this podcast. We're going to be looking at football and basketball. It's going to be... A- just jam-packed and not a lot of that fluff that at the beginning when we were doing our Big Ten, Big Five, stuff like that, where you're finding something to talk about. I mean, they're knocking on our door with the information now, so it's going to be a great time. But I do want to remind you that Pigskins and Nylon is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta-8 THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, and made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not into Delta 8 THC, that's not a problem. Tab Ease offers an option with no THC 
while using the same proprietary drug delivery system to ensure that guaranteed dosage. Right now, Tabbies.com offers three flavors, galactic fruit, watermelon, and mint. Mint is my personal go-to right now, and it's perfect anytime you need one. So please make sure to follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Co. That's Co. That's spelled T-A-B-E-A-S-E-C-O to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at tabease.com. And with the promo code BIG10, that is B-I-G-1-0, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. Now let's get to some game previews. There's no buys this week. We've got a real hectic schedule for Big Ten football. It's a beautiful day. We'll start right now with perhaps the biggest game of the weekend. College game day certainly thinks so. The number six Michigan Wolverines are going, Casey, I guess you'd be the one to ask, but about an hour and a half out of their way to go over to face little brother Michigan State, the number eight team in the country. I actually don't know that. Never made the trip to East Lansing from Ann Arbor. So I, I, I don't know. I've only been to uh, Michigan State one time, and that was actually for the Ohio State game in 2014. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's very far, though. Yeah, it always looks close on a map. So I just assume when it's close, you just say within an hour and a half, and it makes you sound smart. But yeah, I remember that 2014 game. We won't talk about that this week. We'll wait until Ohio State, Michigan State. But there's a fun story connected to that. But anyways, for this one, both of these teams enter this game at 7-0, 4-0 in play. Michigan has allowed more than 17 points, Casey, only one time this year. We love to talk about this rush attack, and I think sometimes we're a little overly critical of the lack of passing we've seen. And for some reason, their defense has kind of camouflaged themselves in the Big Ten where we haven't given them the credit I think that we probably should have. I don't know if that's because we've seen what they've done in the last few years or what it has been, but this Michigan defense really going into this with how balanced Michigan State's offense is, that's what my eyes are going to be drawn to on this day. And I'm going to go to you first. Michigan is a three and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 49 and a half. And just one little tidbit before I throw it over to you, Mel Tucker, what did he do in his first year? He walked into the big house, so be it. There's probably 300 people there because of the way everything was last year. And families, even so, to go on the road and to get a win at a better Michigan team, because they, regardless if they finished 2-4, and four, they were a better Michigan team. What do you think? Does Mel Tucker and this Michigan State Spartans team get to 8-0, defend home field against this Jim Harbaugh-led Michigan team? Or do you think this is the year that maybe Michigan's finally getting over some of the boogeyman syndrome for them. Yeah, wow. Who would have thought at this point in the year that this game would be so big for the for the Big Ten Conference as a whole and for the state of Michigan? I certainly did not think either team would be in this position. They've had a lot of different guys step up. You know, Blake Corman, Hassan Haskins for Michigan in the run game, the entire offensive line in the Michigan run and pass protection. They've been they've been really good this year. You know, Peyton Thorne for Michigan State. Kenneth Walker the third. On paper, it's a very, very even matchup, I would say. And then traditionally, when these two teams get together, it's just a slugfest. Michigan State has the the natural grass field still. I think it's supposed to rain on Friday, but it's supposed to be sunny during the day on Saturday. So I'm sure with that noon kickoff, it's still going to be a little moist. So it'll be uh, 
an old school classic Big Ten game. And I think it lives up to that, too. I think that Michigan State covers a three and a half, but I'm taking Michigan money line. And I'm going to go with the under. I got Michigan winning 24-21 to 21 on a game-winning field goal. Or maybe not a last-second field goal, but I think Michigan squeaks it out by a field goal. Like one of those field goals like inside the last couple minutes of the game, maybe Michigan State has the ball, but it's do-or-die scenario then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think also I wanted to kind of touch on a point that you made, that this Michigan defense may not statistically be as good as what they've been or they were under Don Brown for the first, you know, 10 games of the year. But I think it's just a different style. I know, I know I've talked about this before, but this, this is a, a defensive style where I don't think you get blown out by 30 points to Ohio State. You might lose. You still might lose Ohio State as the better players. And, and with that being said, I just don't think Michigan State really explodes offensively. I don't think Michigan's offense is balanced enough for them to really pull away in this game either and so that's why I think it's going to be a dogfight Michigan winning by three points I actually don't see it that way I think that you're going to see a Michigan team that I think they're better I just think they're they're overall just a better football team than this Michigan State team is and Kenneth Walker to third he's been tremendous this year he's only three yards shy of a thousand on the season already And we talk every week, it seems like, about how balanced this team is. And it's a testament to how well-coached they are, too, that they don't abandon certain elements of the game when they start struggling. However, there has been a few times this year in the second half where the Spartans have just simply gone away on offense. Not only is Kenneth Walker the third taken away, but it seems like when you're able to at least slow him up, Peyton Thorne in that passing game can't even get it done either. And I think you're going to see that happen again. I think Michigan's going to, at maybe it's a really close game. It might even be tied. Michigan State even a couple point lead a half. But I think Michigan ultimately is going to just wear down this team. And that's why I have Michigan winning this game 28-16. to So they cover the three and a half. The under does hit. And I'm taking the money line as well. I don't know what it is with my infatuation with having 16 in my final scores. It's just like a Big Ten score to me where it's like maybe you get three field goals. Maybe your extra point gets blocked. It just feels very Big Ten. So anyways, that's for me. Hopefully we'll get Hayden's picks out there on social this week before you guys can see. Because I know that Casey and I heard plenty enough about the Super Lock all week. So we're very happy that we get what a, a breather on that for a minute, Casey. Our next game then, the number nine Iowa Hawkeyes are traveling to Camp Randall. And talk about the Super Lock. This was the team that bit us in the ass last week. They've been biting me literally since this podcast has started. If I pick one way, Wisconsin goes the other. So I'll just jump and give you my pick here real quick, Casey, and I'll throw it over to you. But some background information before we get into that. Very tight all-time series with Wisconsin leading 48-44-2. But Iowa won last year. Iowa's coming off their first loss of the year a couple weeks ago against Purdue. They did have the bye, which I think is going to be beneficial going into this game. Wisconsin came off their quote-unquote best game of the season against Purdue. Still wasn't exactly anything that... It didn't change my opinion a lot of Wisconsin. Graham Mertz threw the ball eight times. He went five of eight for 52 yards. I was going to make him win the game with his arm a little bit more than that. And that's why I'm taking Iowa, actually, to win this game, to cover the spread, which I should have mentioned. They are an underdog 
to the unranked Wisconsin Badgers here. They are three and a half point underdogs. I take Iowa to not only cover, I'm taking them money line as well. They win this game in a very Big Ten fashion, 13 and 9, which is going to hit the under of the 36 and a half. Casey, are you rolling with your Iowa Hawkeyes to get it done here on the road at Camp Randall? Or do you think that the Badgers figured something out last week? Yeah, you know what? I, I actually do think Wisconsin figured something out last week. Graham Mertz only throwing it eight times is really, really good for him. So if they have the ability to run the ball 45 times on Saturday, I think they're going to win the game. And I think that that's what they're going to do. I'm going to take Iowa plus the three and a half, but I'm taking Wisconsin money line. And I, I'm also taking the under. I'm going to say it's 17-14, and that might be high scoring with these um, two very bad offenses and two very good defenses. I think playing at, at home really benefits uh, Wisconsin this game. I think, you know, coming off the win against Purdue last week, and talk about a team that bit us in the ass, Purdue last week, my goodness. But, yeah, and so, you know, Wisconsin bites you in the ass, I, and you're going all Iowa, so that means I have to take Wisconsin, right, because they're just going to bite you in the ass on this one. No, but in, in all seriousness, I do think that Wisconsin, on paper, I think they're the better team, just like what you were saying with Michigan. I I just think that they're going to finally come out, not, not explode or anything on offense, but I think they're going to come out and get a big-time win and put them really right in the race to win the Big Ten West again. We really have, I think, I was on Wisconsin early, you were on Iowa, Hayden was a little bit of both about best defenses in the Big Ten. This truly is the battle of those best defenses. If you are taking Wisconsin to win this game, even at 17-14, and I know that's high scoring for us, but for the rest of the world, they're like, what does he mean high scoring? Graham Mertz in this game, are you saying that like, is he just not turning the ball over? Is that the expectation to get the 17 here? Or, or do you think he actually has to win the game a little bit? No, I, I I think that he will throw the ball 14 times at max. And if they throw any more than that, then they will lose. Truly don't have the best gut feeling about this game. But I, I just think Wisconsin's going to wear down Iowa's defense and, and just pound the ball all game long. Yeah, this will be my last thing I say about this game, but it's one of those weird rivalries, I feel like, in the Big Ten, where since I guess I'm not personally attached to it, I might be off here. So Iowa-Wisconsin fans, don't hate my guts if I'm wrong. But it feels like every time this game happens at Camp Randall, it's a really gross-looking game that there's a really inopportune turnover for one of the teams, and maybe that's what really determines who wins. In the way we've seen how bad these offenses are and how bad the quarterback play has been for both, I truly do feel like it's going to be a game of chicken of which quarterback cannot screw up first. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's a great way to put it because really you don't have any faith in either one of these quarterbacks. High, high turnovers, just really, really bad throws, bad bad timing. So yeah, I, I, I that's a fair point. The first quarterback to turn the ball over is going to cost the team the game. Watch this game be like 38-35. to 35. Completely wrong. <laughs> Spencer Petrus and Graham Mertz combined for like 600 yards passing, like eight touchdowns and one pick. That, that'll be what it is. Don't even worry about it. You know how this league is. Points are a premium, and there's none more different than this next game where Rutgers and Illinois. You want to talk about two bad offenses. The only difference is 
they're just bad in general. They don't have the best defenses on the other side of the ball to really carry this matchup here. But this is what's fun about this slate this week, Casey, is not only do you have these high-profile games, all these high-ranked matchups, these games that are in the middle of the Big Ten, a lot of bowl implications this week. And no different than here, where Rutgers is a point-and-a-half favorite going to Champaign, I guess the most difficult, what do we say at the beginning of the year, the most difficult place to play in the Big Ten because of the the extreme conditions of that 11 o'clock kick there. The over-under is at 41 and a half. Now, I'm going to throw it to you first on this game, but just a couple quick notes before I do that. Arter Sikowski, we know he's out for the year, which means this is Brandon Peters' team once again. Albeit last week, Sikowski had 38 passing yards, and we were in the fourth overtime. So you're not really looking at a major facelift of this team. The bigger question is Chase Brown's questionable still with a concussion. If he's out, that's really bad news for this Illinois team. And on the other side, Rutgers, they started the year 3-0, face-planted since. They have not scored more than 13 points in a game since that loss to Michigan that started the four-game losing streak. And now you lose potentially one of your best playmakers on your team, Aaron Crookshanks, he's questionable. And if he's out in this game, I don't think a lot of people that watch Rutgers understand he is that special teams, and he is so dangerous with the ball in his hand. Casey, are you riding with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights to get off their four-game losing streak here with a win? Or do you think Illinois could potentially start feeling like they might go bowling with another win here? Yeah, I think I'm on the uh, the Illinois train right now. I think that loss to Northwestern really kind of scarred me with Rutgers, you know, and like you said, going on the road to Illinois, the noon kick, which is 11 o'clock there. That's tough. That's really tough. I think this game is going to be ugly in a different sense than the, the Michigan, Michigan state game and the Iowa, Wisconsin game where, you know, both teams just really aren't very good on either side of the ball. Brandon Peters is injury prone. So I know you said it's his team, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets knocked out in the second quarter. I don't hope for that, but it just seems like every time he gets an opportunity the past you know two years that he's been there, just loses it to an injury. I hope that doesn't happen, but gosh, I, I think I'm going to go Illinois plus one and a half. I may as well roll with Illinois money line. I do think they're going to win, and I think it's going to be 20 to – 17. No, I don't hate that at all. I mean, you're going to see my score similar, I guess. And if you were kind of having a difficult time with this game, you, this next few, it's all the same story. It's like there's really just like five teams in a Big Ten. You have those four at the top that separate themselves, and then everyone else is the exact same team with just different helmets. Now, this is one of those cases. I'm taking actually the flip side. I'm going to take Rutgers, and I'm going to take Rutgers' money line, cover the spread, in the under as well, for the same reason. It's going to be an ugly game, but a different kind of ugly. Just hard to watch football. This is a 17-13 Rutgers win here. I think that Illinois is going to struggle a little bit more in this game, just because, I mean, the book's out. If you can stop Illinois from running the ball, it's that old-school Brett Bielma-style Wisconsin offense without the Wisconsin talent. If you can kind of slow them up, I think Rutgers is going to at least 
I mean, Noah Vedral all year, he's not wowed us at any point, but with the exception of that Ohio State game, he's done a pretty good job protecting the ball. And if you don't turn it over against this Illinois team, I think you're going to find a way to come out on top. I, I have to just say it to you real quick. I have to ask, how crazy is it that Illinois found a way to have three turnovers at Happy Valley and win? I mean, that's insane to me. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to kind of hit, hit at there. This Illinois team just beat a top 10 Penn State team, and, and we're picking them. Uh, we can barely pick them against Rutgers the next week. It's just crazy, crazy season that we've had so far in, in all of college football. It's been really, really fun. And I think this next game it could be really interesting and really fun to watch. One where I might actually take the over, thank goodness. We might have an overpick here, and that's a great way to throw us to the next one here, Casey. The Indiana Hoosiers, another 12 o'clock game. They are playing at Maryland here, and Maryland's a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and I did not expect them to get to five-and-a-half against anybody in the Big Ten the way they've looked in the last month. Over-under has set it, 49-and-a-half, and I think you might be right. It's right in that area, Casey, where it might feel okay to take it. I'll spitfire my picks for you before I throw it to you. I'm not going to waste too much time giving background on this game because Maryland's season died with Dante Demas's knee. And Indiana, they're on their third quarterback of the year. So these teams, I mean, it's just not worth trying to figure out what we're going to see out of them because nobody knows. But I'm going to take the Indiana Hoosers here to not only cover five and a half, I'm actually going to take them to go to Maryland and get the job done here as well. And with that being said, I'm going to take the over to Casey. This is a rare time. We're both going to be looking at points here in the Big Ten. 27 to 24, the Hoosiers win. I don't know what it is. I just feel like having a quarterback come in at this stage of the year against a Maryland defense that has been porous to say the least in the last few weeks, there's not a better opportunity for a quarterback to get their first start. And I would really hope the way Tom Allen is as a coach, he's going to have that team extra fired up to rally around that kid as a quarterback. Indiana wins this game 27-24. Take the over as well. I was kind of thinking the same thing. I thought Indiana would will come out firing. You know, they they always did. They scored on their first drive against Ohio State last week. But uh, eventually, I think this quarterback situation that they have going just just isn't just just won't work for them. Uh, I guess is the way I'm going to put it nicely. Uh, so because of that, I'm rolling with Maryland minus five and a half. I don't have too much confidence in Maryland because, like you said, man, they just have not been the same since Dante Demas's injury. But I think I just have more confidence in Talia Tungavailoa. And so that's why I think they're going to be able to put up points. I think they're going to put up 35 points. As much as I was raving about Indiana's, I guess, defense, I was more raving about Micah McFadden. You know, I think Maryland's going to put up points at home. I think they're going to end up covering and winning 35 to 23-ish. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a more entertaining game than maybe the, the Rutgers game. Both desperately need a win, in my opinion. You're going to see most of these teams here in the middle are desperate for wins just because a lot of these teams are fighting to have that extension, have that extra bowl game. And I don't think a lot of people for... Because a lot of people that are casual with college football, I think they pay attention to the top dogs. They don't really care about that 6-6 six and six bowl on December 20th. But what they don't know is that that's an extra game for these young players to get that experience in postseason play, to potentially get on national TV when they often aren't, to maybe appeal to that three-star athlete that might not 
know where they want to go. So like these matter. Getting that bowl game actually matters. So these are high-profile, high-test games, so I am really excited. It sounds kind of tongue-in-cheek when you say it, but like this next game here, Minnesota going to Northwestern, on paper it looks so boring. But I don't know what it is. When you, you look at especially at the, I guess, resolve of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, you lose Mohamed Ibrahim early in the year. Then they lose Trayson Potts a few weeks ago. The rush attack looked dead in the water. And all they've done since then, Casey, is now they have three guys back there that they're kind of doing running back by committee. And it seems to be working for them. Kai Thomas, Marquise Irving, and Bryce Williams last week against Maryland all had over 10 carries. I think they're going to continue with this kind of style. And it'll be a lot of fun to see if Minnesota can kind of play themselves into the potential of a rematch with Ohio State or potentially Michigan or Michigan State getting there. So I'm going to throw it to you first. I know I've been rambling a little bit here. Minnesota is a 7.5 point favorite, and the over-under is 43.5. This feels like a must-win for Northwestern if they want to get the bowl eligibility. They're 3-4. and four. Is Pat Fitzgerald able to get it done, or do you think Minnesota gets one step closer to potentially getting to the Big Ten championship? Yeah, I just wanted to touch on your uh, your point about how important these bowl games are real quick. That's an extra two to three weeks of practice that you get or you know it varies by bowl game but that's really critical to the development of the other young players and uh, a head start into uh spring in my eyes so while they might not be sexy on paper they they are very important but yeah man going to this minnesota northwestern game northwestern's desperate man their offense looked really really bad last week against Michigan man they couldn't do anything they got really lucky uh, not lucky i mean they had 175 yard touchdown run but outside of that man that didn't look good and then minnesota's just quietly sneaking their way back into the big 10 championship race like you said um it's kind of crazy and i know when they when they lost to bowling green i wasn't going to pick them the rest of the year but i think i'm going to do it right now they have a lot of confidence they're playing pretty darn well so I'm gonna roll with Minnesota minus seven and a half, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the under just because I saw in person I was at the Michigan Northwestern game last week how bad that Northwestern offense is, and oh my goodness if if they can if they get to 13 14 points I'd be surprised, but that that's just been Northwestern's um, story all year long. So I'm gonna take the the under as well. I'm gonna say Minnesota wins. 24 to 7. Again, it's weird. This has not been fun for me because we're on the same wavelength. And this is one of those situations where I have to almost go back and check when you and I are agreeing because I have the same thoughts on this, man. The big takeaway, too, when I was looking for a stat that I really wanted to like find a way how I wanted to feel about this, they average over 35 minutes of time of possession. Minnesota, that is. The way Northwestern's offense has looked, I think you're probably going to see that stat probably inflated even more in this game. One of those games where they have like 38 to 22 minutes of time of possession. I agree pretty much on the score too. I have 27 to 10 Minnesota. So they're going to hit the under. They're going to cover and win this game. Northwestern's a bad football team. And this isn't an indictment on Pat Fitzgerald. It just happens sometimes for programs like this. And unfortunately for him, this is just one of those years you close your eyes and, and hope for 2022. Hey, the, the nice thing about it is, though, Pat Fitzgerald knows he's, oh, he's always there 
at Northwestern. That that dude should never get fired unless they, you know, lose four straight seasons worth of games or something. But I think he's definitely earned, given what he has at Northwestern, uh, the ability to, you know, step back a year and still get his job, not like it was ever being talked about or anything. But I just wanted to touch on that for a little bit, I guess. You're right, though, and I'd like to actually stay on that for a second just because you have seen guys like Jim Harbaugh, what, after a year, you had those talks like, could he have a contract for life, stuff like that. For big programs, that doesn't make sense anymore. In the 21st century, you don't have that. But for a program like Northwestern, if Pat Fitzgerald, it's almost like Bill Snyder down in Kansas State. If you want to coach this team until you're 85 years old, you're literally not able to get a sentence out of your mouth. We're not going to fire you because we appreciate so much of what you've been able to do for us. So completely agree. This is a, you throw the year out, you high five Pats, hey, let's get them next year, and you move on. Yep, absolutely agree. Um, and we could, we could talk about the coaching carousel and how all that works for, you know, small schools. Not small, but like um, schools where the expectations aren't as high, I guess is what I'm saying. And and bigger schools. I mean, I think r- real quick. All right, I'll touch on it. I think, please do, please do. I, I think Jim Harbaugh's contract was a blessing in disguise for the Michigan program because it motivated him. He he retooled his whole coaching staff. He's like, all right, these you know they're cutting my salary in half. I have all these incentives. I'm going to show these. Uh, I can do it. You know what I'm saying? And that's the kind of energy I've seen from Michigan all year long. They're you know, they have some swag to them, they high energy. And I think that that, you know, is part of the reason why the programs who traditionally have a lot of success don't stick around with a coach very long because they understand, and not that, you know, Northwesterns don't or Purdue's don't. I think that, you know, you have to have some perspective, but it's because the opportunity to get a new guy in, and Texas is a great example. They've been doing it ever since Mac Brown left. You get the opportunity to get a new guy in there and revamp the energy. You know, you might play better than what you actually are in your first year, and then recruiting takes off. There's just so much that goes into it. Not really sure the point I was getting at, but I just wanted to say that real quick. No, don't feel bad, because I was kind of in the same headspace where I'm sure you got to hear on the Sunday episode when I talked about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. It's the same thing to me where you need to, and I feel like culture, the word culture gets thrown around by the media a lot, and it's kind of been watered down over time, but you need to have your program and the players and the coaches buy into what you're selling. And for a long time, it felt almost gimmicky with Jim Harbaugh, like the revenge tour. That's not like a changing culture for like ever. That's a one-year message. This feels different. This feels like, hey, you know what? Screw it. No, we're Michigan football. I'm tired of being laughed at. I'm tired of the, we're going to get run over by Ohio State. We're not little brother now to Michigan State. It's awesome. What It's almost like he's taking it personally, and he's got a chip on his shoulder now. And even as a Buckeye fan, like it kind of got me not to say worried about winning or losing yet this year. I don't think it's going to be a this year that we see it. But this is a change that, I think people have to keep an eye on because this feels different than what we've seen. Uh, I mean, honestly, since probably the Brady Hoke first year where you had that excitement in that locker room and I guess that fan base as a whole, wouldn't you say? I would agree with that. I think Harbaugh's first year, they definitely outperformed their talent and and that showed when they played Ohio State. You know, both teams get get up for that game. 
um, and Ohio State just blew them out of the water. But yeah, uh, you know, I would I would completely agree that the culture seems like it's changed, but Michigan's got the perfect opportunity to show it this weekend. Big time game, rival, both seven and zero. Really, either team is is obviously controls its own destiny in the Big Ten East. But this game means a lot more than just a, a win or a loss to this Michigan program against the Spartans this weekend. 100%. I mean, you got to see how fast the Penn State year has changed in the narrative around it. It has that same feeling for Michigan. I feel like Michigan State can afford a loss this weekend much more than the Wolverines can. But we will get to talk more on Sunday after this game. We do have to switch it on over now. Purdue is traveling to Nebraska. And Nebraska is a 7.5 point favorite here. Purdue's coming off that loss to Wisconsin where I, I it's not even like I feel like they didn't show up. They just got outplayed and outperformed by a better team. Now, Nebraska, you would imagine still, even with everything that's happened over the few years, you would imagine has the dudes in that locker room that Purdue doesn't. I'll go to you first on this one. The over-under is 52.5. That's a massive number in the Big Ten when it's not including Ohio State. Does the over-hit here... And where are you thinking with this Nebraska minus seven and a half? And real quick, I guess I should say before I throw it over, I talked about bowl implications earlier. Purdue's four and three entering this game. Nebraska's three and five. I truly think the loser of this game is going to miss out on a bowl because I looked at this and even Purdue, they started what four and two. They were ranked last week. After this loss, if they lose to Nebraska on Saturday, humor me, they're four and four. They play against Michigan State and at Ohio State. You'd imagine you lose both of those. You're at four and six. You have to run perfect against Northwestern and Indiana. Nebraska on the flip side, if they lose this week, just forget about it. It's Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. You're done. You have to win this game. Who gets it done? Is Nebraska able to, I guess, fend off a little bit of fire here for Scott Frost? Or is Purdue and Jeff Brom... Get back on the horse after a difficult week. Man, such great matchups this week, really. I mean, truly, truly feel like this is a great week. I was very confident in Purdue. I was overconfident in Purdue last week, and they just completely disappointed me. It seems like they only get their big-time receivers involved when it's a a big game against the number two team in the country, it seems like. That hurt a little bit. But, man, I, I did not know where to go with this game. I think Nebraska, whether they win or uh, even if they win, I don't think they're making a bowl game. I don't think they're going to win any of the last three games that they have, and they need to win two out of the three to get bowl eligible. So I guess I'm – my goodness. I'm Nebraska – I'll go with uh, Purdue covering the seven and a half. But I think I'm going to take Nebraska winning. I think I'm going to go with Nebraska winning 23 to 17, Nebraska, and the under hits. This is a lot like the game last week with Maryland and Minnesota that Hayden and I were in a mental pretzel over. I looked at this game forever, and I could work out a way in my head that this team blows out this team, or this team blows out that team, or it's a one-point game. There's so many ways that I could see this, and... I mean, both of these defenses statistically are very good. It's just a matter of when you get them to show up or not, and does the offense show up for the other team? Like Purdue, we talk about how much they throw the ball this year. 
I didn't realize until I was digging around at this, they're only averaging 74 rushing yards a game. That is abysmal. And in this conference, when it's kind of paramount to be able to run the ball and have a defense that's able to stop the run, that concerns me. I'm taking Nebraska 31-20, to so the under hits by a point and a half. Nebraska covers, but dude, there's not a lot of really good reasons I have for this game. It's just, that's the gut feeling I have. I, I, I don't really have like, oh, this is why. It's one of those gross games that anything can happen, and I don't know what it is. I just think that this is a Nebraska team that they desperately need to win, and I think you're going to see that desperation come out on Saturday. But speaking of desperation, the number 20 team in the country the Pennsylvania State, there you go, Casey. The Penn State Nittany Lions are going to Columbus to face Ohio State on ABC. It's a night game. I know Buckeye fans are excited to have Penn State at night. This line has jumped all kinds of numbers from last week. Had Penn State won that game against Illinois, you know this spread would have stuck beneath 10. And instead, all it took is that one two-point conversion for whatever reason, that makes the difference in Vegas's eyes, and I never understand that, but it's up to 18 and a half points. Casey, we'll go to you first. Does Ohio State cover to 18 and a half? That's a huge number against Penn State. And 60 and a half is the over-under. How do you see this game playing out this weekend, man? Yeah, that uh, new overtime rule that you love so much, don't you? <laughs> I just don't get it. We need Hayden here one day. That's going to be an off-season, like a full 30-minute argument episode. I guarantee it. No, uh, that, that was a wonderful little rant that you went on. That was, that was fantastic. So I was mentioning earlier, you know, how big of an impact not only Penn State losing last week had, but also James Franklin, Franklin flirting around with USC will have on this game. And I, I think it's not going to play in Penn State's favor. I think he is flirting with them. He is taking phone calls or listening to whatever whatever's going on there. I have no idea, but I think he hears it and maybe his focus isn't where it needs to be to play against a top five team in the country on the road at night. So with that being said, I think Ohio State wins this game and wins this game going away. Um, I think they covered the 18 and a half points and I'm going to go with the over. And I think that this is really going to be Travion Henderson's coming out party. I know, you know, he had 277 or whatever against Tulsa, but he's got the big stage here. And Ohio State under Ryan Day is best when they can run the ball. With J.K. Dobbins that first year, Ohio State was best when J.K. got 20, 25 carries. And this might be the first time that we see since the Tulsa game, Travion Henderson get the 20 to 25 carries. It might be close early on. It might be... 24 to 10 or 24 to 14 but I think Ohio State is by far the better offense and I don't think Penn State's offense has the ability to hang with Ohio State and so I think Ohio State wins going away I got it going like 45 to 17 45 to 21 that kind of game this is painful because yet again we're very close on score in this game for me just from a betting standpoint before I get into the reasons I keep flipping back and forth where the score in my head, it's 41-17 or 41-24. But the problem is, is that one of those, it's going to change the over and under. It's going to change the spread both ways. Because I think Ohio State, 
depending on who or how I go with this, if Ohio State jumps out early, I, I know this sounds ridiculous. I think that's the recipe for a backdoor cover for Penn State. But if it's close early, that's how Ohio State covers this spread. Sounds ridiculous. I don't know what, but like for whatever reason, that's where my brain is. Now, before I eventually figure out what my brain's going to decide at the end, my buddy Jack pointed out a stat to me this week. He sent it to me yesterday because he had heard me talk about how poorly the Penn State offense has been running the ball this year. It took until I started actually having it pointed in front of me by him to realize how different these rush attacks have been. Where Noah Kane on 78 carries, Travion Henderson 79. So for all counts and purposes, the same amount of rushes this year. Noah Kane has 245 yards and four touchdowns. Travion Henderson has 693 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's about 450 yards and seven touchdowns different. That is unbelievable when you're a Penn State offense that is predicated on making your running backs your focal point of your team. I just can't really wrap my head around that, especially they can say, because Sean Clifford's not on the injury report anymore. You don't just magically get better, especially because he took a bit of an ass-kicking himself last week from that Illinois front seven. I just don't know how this offense is going to be able to put up enough points to cover in this game against Ohio State. And Ohio State's defense hasn't allowed 20 points since the Tulsa game, man. I just, I don't know how. I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way. So I'll, here it is. I finally decided in the moment. We're going Ohio State to cover in the under. I guess my last question for you, because I, I really harped on a lot about the Buckeyes here. What if you are James Franklin? What is the blueprint to be in this game come the fourth quarter? And and see, that's why I kind of debated on on the spread for just a, just a nanosecond. Because... Penn State really has had a fantastic game plan to beat Ohio State for the past five years. They've just always done a really good job. They'll run the quarterback. They'll take their shots downfield. But you're right, that one thing that's missing is a run game that's worth a crap. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I would say you just do the same thing. Ball control, take your shots, limit turnovers. But, I, you know, without being able to run the ball, I don't know how you're going to be able to control it. So, and that's, that's what I, that's the advice I would give, I guess. Obviously Ohio state has the most explosive offense in the big 10, maybe even the country this year. So uh, it seems very obvious just to say, keep the ball away from Ohio state, but it's easier said than done. This defense is improving. Haskell, the rascal is uh, the best interior interior run defender in the big 10 conference. So I think he's going to eat up Penn State's offensive line in the run game, which, you know, has not been good at all, as you just pointed out. So, I mean, man, they got to get lucky. I, I think they got to get lucky. They got to force Stroud into some turnovers, force Stroud into, you know, missing high again, which we haven't seen since the Tulsa game. But also this is a step up for Ohio State. They haven't played anybody, you know, since the Oregon game. So it'll be interesting how Ohio State comes out. And um, when you were mentioning about the different starts, you know, the first game that rings in my mind is that Ohio State-Wisconsin game of twenty eight or 2019, where it was 7-7 in the third quarter, then boom, just out of nowhere, 38-7 final. What in the heck just happened? I could see it, you know, kind of going like that too. But man, I unless unless I'm shocked like I was in 2016 with Penn State being Ohio State I I don't think this game is all that close 
That's a great point with the 2019 Wisconsin game. It, one factor that kept that game close, and I don't know what it's like in Saturday, was the weather. It was a miserable day. And the pass attack was not there. Justin Fields did not look comfortable. And even after they started scoring, it was more through the defense and through the running game or underneath passing. So that would be interesting to see. But the only other thing I'd mention in this is that we haven't seen Ohio State really play a pass rush this year since that Oregon game. And even then, you were playing without Kayvon Thibodeau. And that's basically the thing I look forward to all offseason because we've heard about how big and strong and powerful this running game and or, or this offensive line, they're going to be in the running game and the passing game. Only Michigan has given up fewer sacks this year. And a large part is probably the quantity of dropbacks too in that. I say it's still only at nine sacks against. Penn State has athletes. They're going to try to get after C.J. Stroud and make him uncomfortable. And if they're able to do that, I feel like that's the avenue to keep this close. Make Stroud uncomfortable. Maybe force a fumble. Maybe force a bad pick. But I, I just don't know. We haven't really seen it of late. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens. Yeah, and I think they could very well do that. I think the biggest factor in this game, like I said, is going to be Travion Henderson. I think this dude is elite of elite, man. I He's going to be Heisman contender his sophomore and junior years after this season. He's the kind of kid we're going to be talking about in 20 years to our kids. Yeah, absolutely. I see that talent in him. He's got a Saquon Barkley body, man. I, I mean, just a beast. And he, he looks faster than Saquon does, to be honest with you. Saquon was, you know, sub 4-4 almost. I just think he's going to be the difference maker. They might get pressure. They might sack CJ three or four times. But I think that's also when Ohio State's going to start relying more on the run game. And I don't see it really any defense in the conference that's going to be able to stop this offensive line combined with one of the best running back prospects I've ever seen. Well, and, I, and I'll be done talking about the Buckeyes after this. I know I've been talking about them a lot, but we usually see about once a generation a running back for Ohio State kind of at the level that I expect him to be at, where it started with Hopple on Cassidy back in the 40s and 50s. Then you go to Archie Griffin. Then it's Eddie George. Then you thought you had it with Maurice Clorette, but he had the one year. And then Zeke. I thought we were, it was almost like that. I felt like we were going to be done for a minute. And Trayvon Henderson has the capability to, who knows, but he can do some special things and break a lot of the guys that just mentioned records. And I, I mean, if the Ohio State's going to win a national championship in the next three years, it's going to largely come to the contributions of Travion Henderson. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you cannot forget about my boy, J.K. Dobbins, either. He was an outstanding back and statistically was better than Zeke, by the way. He, he was statistically. Yeah, that's... Okay, if we keep going on this, it'll be a three-hour episode. We almost need... Hey, I know. Hey, J.K.'s jump cut was outstanding. That was a, that was his best move by far. Uh, he was good at a lot of things, but that jump cut was incredible. I mean, we've had a spoilment of Richards or riches here at Ohio State because even before that, we're we're ignoring guys like Beanie Wells, Antonio Pittman, like all these guys that a lot of schools would have killed for. Ohio State's had the fortunate ability to have on their roster, but that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta Eight edible. We'll be back early next week to break down the Week Nine games. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at P&NPod, Facebook at P&NPod, and Instagram also at P&NPod. Before we send everybody on their way, do you have any final thoughts for us tonight, Casey? 
all just looking forward to this fantastic weekend of football, man. You know, I'm not I'm not sure if you're coming staying Friday night or not, but I, I you know, you're invited absolutely. It's fifty fifty, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to see it either way. Really excited about our playoff game. Really excited about this weekend of football games hopefully i can relax a little bit i don't know if it's the weather man but these days just seem like they're getting longer and longer but yeah i mean just looking forward to some football i know hayden's not here so he's not able to say it but i'm genuinely so excited to get out there on friday win or lose just being able to watch a coach a playoff game it's going to be a special day i'm really excited for it hopefully i'm able to stay saturday not sure yet my last thought kind of ties into that my dad's actually having surgery on his knee tomorrow. Nothing major, nothing crazy, but he's just going under the knife a little bit, getting the knee cleaned up. So depending on if he needs help or if he needs me to go and help him out, pick up anything, that might be what holds me back. But depending on how he feels, we'll see. But regardless, we're really rooting for you. You're going to be looking at us in the corner. We're going to be the loud goons up on the top row screaming at you. So win or lose. be extra loud. I've got to be extra loud for you. <laughs> We've got those fans there now. But, yeah, man, I hope everything goes well with your dad's surgery. I didn't, I didn't know about that, but you said it seems pretty routine. But hope it all goes well, man. And I completely understand, too, you know, if you need to stay back. Completely get it. I know you do. And it's seriously, it's not a big deal. He's going to be under the weather for a few days because of the medicine and all. But my mom and dad, they're just, they're old. So they have the, the leg problems now, and they're going to, both have to go under the knife here over the next few months but that's a good thing we want them to be walking around here for the next 30 years so this is a good surgery to have but again good luck to you casey good luck to you hayden out there start coaching basketball again so good for you and thank you guys for listening we will be seeing you back here next week for episode 35 of pigskins and nylon